Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Hello, welcome back to the Jet Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, my man, Mike Luciano. Mike, it is the offseason. This is our time. This is the time that Jets fans are always excited for. We win the offseason. How are you doing today, buddy? Well, I'm excited that the Jets finally said they're going to get serious about winning, and they did that by getting rid of nobody and doing the exact same thing from a year where they didn't win, so... We're on the right track, you know. It's a, a very ironed-out, thought-out plan that the Jets are enacting once again because this is what they do. I hate myself. So let's move before we get into it. Wait, wait, but Garrett Wilson changed his number, and that means Devontae Adams is definitely coming here. That's what that means. I mean, that would be funny, though, too, if, like, he didn't come because he was like, you're not giving me 17. What, what is this? I got to wear 82. This is bullshit. I'm not coming. I would hate it. Devontae Adams in 82 would look awful. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I would agree. He shouldn't come here if that's the case. <laughs> Regardless of what number he wears or who ends up coming to the Jets, I got a hint for you. Probably not a game changer knowing how things operate. We still got a lot of stuff to talk about, knowing that Robert Sala talked, Joe Douglas talked. We got some more rumblings about the coaching staff, which no, people are openly not liking, but they're not getting rid of anybody, which is head-scratching to say the least. But uh, before any of that, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites and YouTube and TikTok at the Jeff Press. For both of them, make sure you give the stream a like. You also make sure you get notified when you go live. Get a little ping on your phone whenever we go live. Give the stream a like. It really helps. Give a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps, like genuinely to boost in the algorithm. It really does. So before we get into our topics, I do want to let you guys know about a little promo from our friends over at DraftKings. Because Jets fans, DraftKings is offering a fantastic sign-up bonus ahead of the postseason. You can place a $5 first bet on anything to instantly claim $150 in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. The best part is you'll get both rewards even if your first bet loses. So when you join DraftKings, make sure to use our code FSBETS. That is F-S-B-E-T-S. It directly supports the podcast, like genuinely. So if you want to support the show that way, 
We would be thrilled if that's how you choose to do it. If you've been considering signing up for DraftKings, make sure to use FS Bets to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. So with that, we got we got more takes to react to from Douglas and Sala, who it, at this point now, both of them, even though I like Sala more than Douglas, it's just like when adults and Charlie Brown would talk and you couldn't hear anything. And just, that's all I hear now. Or just like TV static, just one long TV static. That's all I hear whenever these two guys are talking because they're getting a little bit of Jalen Hurts syndrome that they only speak in like motivational Instagram quotes. And that, because that's one of my things with Jalen Hurts is he always has like a pithy little quote that he read off of like a Sigma male grind set Instagram page. And now the Jets are doing that. It's either that, like solid, that's Salah's thing, or just like random platitudes about this is on me. We need to get better. Stuff that I guess they got to say, but nevertheless is a little bit more frustrating for fans. And uh, two comments kind of provoked my ire, particularly. One of them I really want to dive into where, uh, Joe Douglas was asked about the whole backup quarterback thing. Why did you go into the year with a quarterback who was going to be 40 with a with a quarterback that last year you openly did not like and pretty much looked like you were going to get rid of, and then you not only didn't get rid of him, but you kept him as the number two quarterback? Why the hell did you do that, man, and ruin the season? Fair question. Joe Douglas says, well, I thought we had a pretty good plan in place. Okay. A pretty good plan in place. So your pretty good plan is leaning on the guy that your team did not like, openly revolted against, said, bench him or we're going to lose our shit. That's basically what they said after that Patriots game, and then they did it, and then they brought him back in because of injuries, and they did it again. That's your perfect plan. Like, I know you don't plan for Rodgers to get hurt. Nobody plans for the backups to play. I, I can't remember who said it. I think it might have been Brandon Weed when he signed as a backup, and he said, I like this job. You know, God forbid I have to play. That's what you expect your backups to think. God forbid I have to play. I get all that. But that's your perfect plan? Did you learn nothing from the last two years? Like, to me, we had kind of hypothesized earlier that even though he was done with him as the starter, something in the back of his mind said, like, oh, maybe there's a chance to get an improvement right. I think he pretty much just confirmed that, that Joe Douglas was full of himself, and he thought, I know that Zach Wilson was terrible, but there's still a chance he can make me look like a genius. And he burned the whole season because of it. There were a few quotes that Joe Douglas said, specifically when he talked about hindsight being 2020, where I was like, really? Is this really hindsight? Or is it just yeah, something hindsight that- Hindsight was 2022. Right. Or is it just something that everybody saw coming was going to be a disaster? And I think the Zach Wilson QB2 situation is a perfect example of that, where going into the year, very few people thought that Zach Wilson as QB2 was a good idea. The people that didn't, like there were people that thought it was a bad idea and there were people that didn't care. There were very few that were like, yeah, Zach Wilson is a competent, capable QB2. Others were just like, hey, if Aaron Rodgers goes down, it doesn't really matter anyway. That was kind of the counter argument to why the Jets didn't go after a better backup quarterback. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers went down and it did matter that they didn't have a good backup quarterback. As we saw throughout the season, they still won seven games. I mean, again, we don't have to go into it, but look at the look at the Cleveland Browns. They're on QB4. Their roster is just as injured as the Jets, and they won 11 games and were able to rest their starters going into the last game of the year. 
you can still win in the NFL with a backup quarterback. Not to mention, what if in the scenario Aaron Rodgers didn't tear his Achilles, but he just missed a few weeks? You want a, a capable QB who could step in there. So, yeah, the Jets saying that they had a good plan going into the season is silly. And another one where they talked about hindsight being 2020 that I just, I, again, I can't get on board with. And maybe you'll disagree, Mike, because we had differing opinions about this player was Dalvin Cook. I, I, the, the specific quote from Joe Douglas said that they felt good about Brees Hall coming up the torn ACL, but that he hadn't played yet. They felt that they were getting a Pro Bowl running back at under market price. And then Joe Douglas said again, hindsight's 2020. If if the Jets fully believe, and I, I mean this sincerely, if the Jets believed that they were getting a Pro Bowl running back when they signed Dalvin Cook in August, the entire pro scouting department should be fired. I, I Every single one of them. Anybody who had any part in that decision who looked at his tape from last year, who looked at all the numbers that showed, nah, he's not that guy anymore, and looked at that stuff and said, oh, we're still getting a Pro Bowl running back. They should be fired. If me, Mike, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot sitting at a desk talking to just talking to you right now. I'm, I'm, I'm just somebody who, who writes about this team as a living. I'm not an NFL general manager. I'm not an NFL scout. I don't do this for a living. I do this for a living. I write about shit. I'm not a talent evaluator, right? But if I can see that, if I can watch his film from last year and I can look at all the numbers from last year and say, you know, he's really not that good anymore, guys. And the Jets can't see that? What the hell does that say about them? And it wasn't the just me. The problem I had with the Cook thing was, I believe he said this later when he said, we have a good insurance policy. With go no, he wasn't an insurance policy. He just paid him $8 million and we're splitting carries early on pre-sale. That's not an insurance policy. Right. You signed him to be a complimentary guy to Brees Hall to probably split carries. That's right. not insurance. Ignoring the fact that he's a terrible compliment to Brees Hall because their strengths are very similar. What Bree Dalvin Cook offers nothing that Brees Hall, even in his prime, Dalvin Cook doesn't offer anything that Brees Hall does not currently offer. If you wanted a compliment, you'd sign an Ezekiel Elliott. Someone like that who actually makes sense as a compliment, who is a, I, I think, was better this year than Dalvin Cook, even if Ezekiel Elliott isn't nearly the player he used to be, he can still offer stuff as a short yardage back. He's not a bad pass blocker by any means. He's also not a bad pass catcher, despite the fact that he's he's definitely lost a step or two. Uh, Dalvin Cook's none of that. Like he, he, he was none of that. Even in his prime, he was never a great pass catcher, never a great pass blocker. He always had ball security issues. So you didn't sign him to be a, a compliment in that respect. And if you did, somebody messed up, like multiple somebody's messed up because even in his prime, he's a bad compliment. But it just... I hate the whole hindsight is 2020 stuff with the Jets. And I hate it because it's not hindsight because a lot of people looked at that and said, that's a bad move. And if you can't see that, if Joe Douglas wasn't able to watch Dalvin Cook play football last year and realize that he was no longer a Pro Bowl caliber running back, I know he made the Pro Bowl last year. So did Tyler Huntley. That doesn't mean shit. So did Rod Roger Saffold made the Pro Bowl last year. All right. He didn't even play a game this year. <laughs> and the funny part is Joe Douglas came from the, I know he was a scout for a long time with Baltimore, but he was in the Eagles player personnel department yeah. for a long time. Like you'd That's think that if anything, that that would be his area of expertise. Be, I guess not. It's incredibly concerning to me that the Jets can like straight up ignore analytics. Like that's honestly my biggest, my biggest takeaway is they don't yeah, analytics. I mean, just the tape now they're ignoring. Like Cause they, they go hand in hand. Like it's not just like, like you could watch the tape from last year and you can watch you can look at the analytics and they they back each other up. They support what they're saying. Dalvin Cook, while he wasn't as bad as he was this year, was not the same player in 2022. I don't care what anyone says. Watch his tape. You're gonna take you're gonna have that takeaway if you know what you're looking at. And it's the same stuff with like, oh, they didn't go after DeAndre Hopkins, but they wanted Odell Beckham. Like, I have serious concerns about the pro scouting department for the Jets. 
Uh, and that's a huge deal. And that might be why they're so inconsistent with their free agent signings. Like, yeah, maybe on the defensive side, they rock with like assigning like a DJ Reed, but clearly on offense, I have serious concerns about their ability to, to evaluate talent. Alan Lazard, Dalvin Cook, Lakin Tomlinson, like, must we go well, on? I think Sala is the pro scouting department for defense. Yes. At least he's heavily involved in drafting for defense. That's why Will McDonald's here. And honestly, I think now, I think Aaron Rodgers is their pro scouting department, if we're being honest. So that's why I think it was Odell, and that's why it's Alan Lazard and Billy Turner. Like, that's why. That's not a recipe for success. Like, you're just – I have zero faith in this regime, whether G GM or coaching staff. I have zero zero faith in this regime's ability to evaluate offensive talent. I have no faith in, the, in their ability to do that. I, I have none. I mean, yeah, they got Brees Hall. That was a great pick. Awesome job. Identifying him as a target in the second round, trading up to get him. Great job. But, man, there are so many more misses. And Garrett Wilson. And Garrett Wilson, of course. That's the same regime. Yeah, but there are so many more misses than hits, especially when it comes to free agency, when they're evaluating guys. Because when you're drafting, that's not pro scouting. That's 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 college scouting. That's, you know, that's – different scouting department in a lot of ways the pro scouting department has been egregious like name other than like tyler conklin can we name an offensive signing the jets have made in this regime that's overachieved that's exceeded expectations and conklin i don't even know if he over i feel like he he, he hit his expectations yeah. what he is i think conklin's better than i thought he was gonna be i think he's gotten better with the jets so that's i think that's that's one of the only ones that i'll give them credit for with with signings but like what other free agent moves have they made that have exceeded expectations? I can't think of anything off the top of my head. There's just a lot that have failed and have underachieved. Defense is a different story. Uh, many examples there. But offense, it's not. And so uh, that 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 is concerning to me. That And I know it's a lot of it is just GM speak and it's coach speak. I don't know if Joe Douglas actually thought they were getting a Pro Bowl caliber running back in Dalvin Cook. But he says that, and then they obviously they signed him to a seven million a seven million dollar deal, which was the most any running back made this offseason. First of all, they gave him that in August as well, which that's wild that you're paying you're you're, you're giving somebody the highest paid contract in the offseason in his position, and you're doing it in August. That's already crazy. But I don't know. It, it raised major red flags for me uh, that were already in my mind, but it just kind of revitalized them. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage – 
all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Well, part of why they're so good on defense and bad on offense is I feel like Salah definitely knows what he wants from a defense, like how they want to play, the guys he needs to run it. Like That's why even though they had like inferior talent and their scheme looked old for a while, that's why... I think Pete Carroll in Seattle, like before he just recently, uh, now it, I think a couple hours before the show, Pete Carroll's not going to be returned. But I think that's that's why he lasted for so long was he knew what he wanted from a defense, and they were able to like find guys that could fit that. Like Salah knows what he wants. That's why it's easy to find guys like DJ Reed, or it's easy to draft guys and just plug. Them. Even easy to find John Franklin Myers, yeah, fit him in because he saw something in John Franklin Myers that a lot of other teams didn't. Why it's easy to draft Sauce? Why it's easy to Bring elevate Tony Adams because he knows what he wants. Offense, I don't. I still don't think he does. I still think he just thinks let's get somebody. Well, now it's the Rogers thing, but before it was let me get somebody Shanahan McVeigh adjacent, and then I don't know how it'll work, but it'll just somehow work because these things always seem to work. And yeah, Michael Floor, for as much as we said it was not a lot of his fault in the like Michael Floor, it didn't work. Now he never had a quarterback, but it it didn't work. That's why he's not here. And then Hackett, obviously, now it's a whole different can of worms with the Hackett-Rogers thing, but it's still that same coaching tree. Like, he doesn't know what he wants to be offensively. And even next year, they're going to have Rogers back, but are they going to be a ground-and-pound team with Brees Hall? Are they going to chuck it deep? Are they going to be West Coast? I don't think anybody knows yet. So because of that, how do you build a team if you don't know what you want, if you don't know what you're looking for? You're absolutely right. It's about an identity. And that's the thing. Robert Salas had continuity on the defensive side of the ball. That defensive staff has pretty much been the same since he got here. Offense has changed a lot. They've had a lot of different moving pieces there. Of course, they've changed coordinators. And I think that changed philosophies on offense too, because while Hackett comes from a similar system as the Shanahan, you know, tree, it's a different offense. Like he absolutely runs a different offense than what Mike LaFleur was running. And I think Mike <laughs> he runs a bad one as opposed to a good one. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you want to boil it down to that, yes, I agree. Uh but I think like Mike LaFleur, they had a plan for offense. They had they knew what kind of players they wanted on offense to fit that scheme. That's why they signed a Lake and Tomlinson. I'm not saying that that worked out, but I'm saying that they they signed him because they're like, all right, we've seen what he can do in a very similar zone blocking scheme in San Francisco. Let's get him here. Let's run a similar scheme. Then they change O-line coaches. Then they change offensive coordinators. And now it's like, all right, we have a bunch of pieces that don't really fit. And now that's why this offseason is so, is so important because now they have to, they basically have one offseason to get an offense that not only has the right players in terms of talent, but the right players in terms of fit, they need all these pieces to fit together. And that's that's not an easy thing to do in the NFL. It, a lot of times it takes continuity. It takes years to do that. The Jets don't have years. They're, that's why they're relying on the Alan Lazard, the Randall Cobbs, the guys who have experience in that scheme because they, they're kind of trying to take the shortcuts with that. Uh, I don't know. I, I have serious reservations about the offense uh, going into the offseason, even with Aaron Rodgers, but maybe Rodgers can be Superman. Maybe he can work it out. Uh, I would, I'm going to do a transition really quick, Mike. Ready? And I know I just ruined the transition by saying I'm going to do a transition. But I had a transition literally lined up for right <laughs> after this, but okay. All right. But I was, never mind. Go on. Mine was going to be worse. Because I was going to say the other <laughs> thing that pissed me off was he basically said they talked to everybody in exit interviews and then he got some real good, honest you know, dialogue about what's going on sure. with the Jets right now. 
and we're committed to getting the BS out of the room and building a winner. Now, the problem is they did not really change anything on the coaching staff, which seems like the most immediate way to change something. Even if it's not solid, pack it, a position coach. I mean, we've said before that, like, you know, sometimes changing coaches can be cosmetic just to shut people up. Like with Buffalo with the OC, they're running the exact same offense. They just needed somebody needed a pound of flesh. They gave him uh, Ken Dorsey to shut everybody up, and then the Bills are okay now. Like, so that happens sometimes. This is not that. This is a collection of people that are underperforming wildly, like worst in the league levels. So because of that, the fact they haven't made a lot of these changes, specifically as a guy I'm going to mention right now is Keith Carter. Because it's one thing to fire Hackett. As much as we want to fire Hackett, like that's a whole philosophy change. That's an Aaron Rodgers change. He'd have to get somebody in that runs an offense he's familiar with. He probably doesn't want to learn a whole new offense at age 40. Like that's, that is a big move. It's not just so simple as fire the coordinator. But like a position coach, that's something that you could it could have a tangible impact. And it's not going to completely upset the apple cart. So the fact they didn't get rid of Keith Carter, who, number one, is performing terribly. He got fired in Tennessee, and now he had the worst offensive line, even with the injuries. Like the healthy guys, the starters, were regressing. Becton, Tomlinson, like the guys who weren't hurt, they were also playing bad. So that has to fall on Keith Carter. So, the, all right, so he's he's survived all that, whatever. He's, maybe he's a really smooth talker. Maybe he's a – oh, he's not a really cool guy. We know that. Guys hate him. But maybe he's a really smooth talker. Then I see all these comments coming out from guys like Brees Hall and Mackay Becton on social media because Mike Vrabel gets fired in Tennessee, and there's all these posts about, you know, what a great leader Mike Vrabel is, and I can't believe they did this. And then Taylor Lewan basically said, I loved having him as a coach, Vrabel, and I loved his entire coaching staff except Keith Carter. <laughs> and Taylor Lewan was an offensive tackle, obviously. So completely unprompted, like uh, completely unprompted. Exactly, like he didn't have to do that, but he no. did. And then Makai Becton, in a, uh, a recently deleted uh, post, basically agreed with him on uh, on Instagram, where he said, second paragraph, the Keith Carter thing is nothing but facts." And then he deleted the post. Yep. And then Brees Hall quote tweeted it. And Brees Hall put like the laughing emojis yep. in there. So what you have now is a situation where a player that they expected to be a franchise left tackle, he's not because he's bad, Mackay Becton, but they expected him to be, and they expected Keith Carter to make him one, basically said he sucks and I hate him. You yep. have Brees Hall, who was as directly impacted by the offensive line playing bad as any one particular player because that's how his holes are opening up. He said he sucks. And even Patrick DeMarco, who played yeah. with them for like a couple years as a fullback in 2015-16 when he was in Atlanta, I think he was a running backs coach in Atlanta in like 2017, he even said he hated Keith Carter. Yeah. You want to talk about a guy with no agendas, no dog in this fight. Yeah. That's a guy from six, seven years ago saying, I can't believe this guy's employed. He's terrible. So the, fa the fact they didn't get rid of Carter, that's why it's so mind-blowing. This is like an easy, this is a slam dunk move you make. You make change, you get rid of a guy people don't like. It's at an area of need. Like the fact they blew this. I mean, are they gonna if they, they could go two and fourteen? Are they gonna fire Salo next year if they go two and fourteen? I don't know that because Keith Carter was a layup and they just slipped and broke their tailbone trying to dunk. It it just it doesn't make any sense, especially when you have all this bloviation about change and we we listen to people. You think in exit interviews, people didn't say Keith Carter fucking sucks. 
I bet you they did. I guarantee you they did. And now because of that, the Jets, yeah, yeah, they get thumbs down for Keith Carter. I don't know why I did it on the screen, but like because of that, if they're not going to fire him now, when are they going to fire him? Because this was in as obvious a firing as I could possibly see. And I hate calling for people's jobs. I genuinely do. But like, if you want the Jets to improve, that's a good way to have them improve. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You couldn't find a more deserving coach to be fired in the NFL. I, I, I truly don't think there is, and I, I have no, I don't nothing about Keith Carter as a person. Maybe he's a wonderful human being and just a bad coach, and people hate him. I don't know, but there is. I, I don't know because everybody that gosh from seven years ago was saying he sucks. There are zero redeeming qualities about Keith Carter as a coach right now. First, we'll get the obvious out of the way. He's bad at his job. He was not successful in Tennessee. He consistently led bad units there. And then he got fired. And that Tennessee Titans offensive staff that got fired was deemed as re being really bad, as being one of the worst in the league, kind of like how the Jets are right now. And so what do the Jets do? They go, let's bring him in. Let's bring in Todd Downing too. Let's hire the scraps from one of the worst offensive staffs in the league. Let's bring in Keith Carter. They bring in Keith Carter, and in his only year with the Jets, the Jets have one of the worst offensive line seasons by any offensive line in recent memory. Yeah, they got they got destroyed by injuries, but that's no excuse for it being as bad as it is, especially when you have guys like Lakin Tomlinson and Mekhi Becton, who were your designated starters, who look like they're not even starting caliber players. Like those guys were here. They were they weren't injured. They were they were supposed to be starting, and they were also really bad. Everybody that they tried to play was bad. There's other offensive lines in the NFL where you've had injuries and guys have stepped in and overachieved. The Jets didn't have any of that. Every player fell short of expectations. Even Joe Tittman, I think, was fine this year. I think he got a little bit better as the year went on. But I don't think he, like, hit a home run. I don't think he, like, lit it up this year. Everyone fell short of expectations. And that ultimately I, mean, I don't have a problem with Tittman, but if, but if Tittman's no, like the best no lineman on the team by a mile, that's yes. a problem. I have no issue with Tittman. I think he's going to be a long-term starter, but I'm saying it's not like Tittman came in and absolutely lit it up and it's like, oh, look, Keith Carter developed him. It's like, no, I, I think he was fine. He had some rookie struggles, rookie struggles as you expected, but clearly Keith Carter, not good at his job if that's the case. And then on top of that, players hate him. It's like this is the it's the worst kept secret in the entire NFL because it's not even like a, a private thing. Publicly, players publicly hate him on his own team. For crying own out loud! Team. Uh, when when he was when he was let go by the Titans, or maybe it was before he was like, I forgot the timeline of it. But this is not the first Taylor Lewan has spoken to this. Taylor Lewan, former Pro Bowl tackle for the Titans, and Ben Jones, former Pro Bowl center for the Titans, have both publicly trashed Keith Carter, saying he's a bad coach, saying that he overworks his players and leads to injuries. Boy, I wonder why the Jets had so many offensive line injuries. If every time Keith Carter's a coach of an offensive line, his O line gets destroyed by injuries because he overworks them. Like this is not. It's not a it's not a secret. This has been out there for a long time. And now you have Lawan make this post recently. Also, this isn't even the first time we've heard this in the last month because I put out a tweet, uh, I think around a month ago, saying that it's amazing that Keith Carter is still employed. And Adam Pankey, I think I mentioned this on the show, Adam Pankey, who was with the Jets this summer and was previously with the Titans under Keith Carter, liked the tweet, being like, Yeah, fire Keith Carter. And he's like, Yep, do that. This guy sucks. <laughs> like 
players are not hiding this shit. And if they're not hiding it, if, if Makai Becton feels bold enough to make a, a, a comment on an Instagram post saying that Keith Carter sucks, literally him agreeing and saying, yes, I agree, Keith Carter is bad. And, and he said the second paragraph. So he took out the parts that were exclusively Mike Vrabel plays. So he wasn't saying like Mike Vrabel's a good coach and got lost in translation. He said the second paragraph where you only said Keith Carter sucks, that's what I agree with. Yeah. And then if Brees Hall feels bold enough to, to put a tweet out about it, like what do you think these players are saying behind closed doors? If they're they saying directly to them. Right. If they, if they feel bold enough to put it on social media, clearly it's it's a well-known thing in the Jets locker room that he is not well-liked. So if you have a coach who is not liked by his players, who is maybe contributing to injuries and is just overall bad at his job, that is the easiest possible like layup fire that there is. The only thing I can think of and the only reason, unless he's got incredible dirt on this team and he's blackmailing them, the only reason I can think that he's still here is because the Jets are like, well, we fired our offensive line coach last year. We don't want to do it again. Continuity's sake, we want to keep the same system in place. And again, the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, they're like, everything will be better when Rodgers comes back. It's the only thing. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to make guys block better just through sheer not. like inspirational effort. Not to mention that, remember the whole cut block thing from beginning of the year? Aaron Rodgers hated cut blocks. He didn't like his offensive line doing cut, block, cut blocks. It didn't happen really anywhere he went. Keith Carter was a big fan of them, even though offensive linemen, if you, if you ask any offensive lineman, they're not fans of it because you're basically asking them to just leave their feet, go down. Uh, it's not really like, it's not really a technical thing. Uh, so a lot of offensive linemen hated it specifically. I know Dwayne Brown was not a fan of it. Uh, and a cut block is the play that Rogers got hurt on. Like, so if you want to say that Keith Carter is partially to blame for Aaron Rogers tearing his Achilles. I, I want to get Dwayne Brown. That, that, he seems like just a respected guy, straight shooter veteran. Like he yeah. probably he's I, been around the block a lot. He's how many offensive line coaches has Dwayne Brown had in his career? No joke. If I, if I interview a former jet, like I can't do it with a current jets offensive lineman, but if I talk to like, I don't know, anybody who was on the team, like Dwayne Brown, if I ever get an interview, I will ask him about Keith Carter. I'm not even joking. Because uh, I would love to hear what he has to say. Can't do it with a guy currently on the team. Dwayne Brown would be perfect. Yeah, apparently he can. Mackay's <laughs> maybe you know, he can. It doesn't matter. Yeah, maybe I'll just bring on Lakin Tomlinson and he'll be like, oh, yeah, Keith Carter sucks. Like, who knows? Uh, <laughs> clearly it's an open secret. Yeah. But Out, it's outside of Jeff Stoutland, who's had like a reputation for being a great th – think of the great offensive lines in the league. You know, Baltimore, San Francisco, Detroit. Who's, who's the Lions offensive line coach? Who's the Niners offensive line coach? I don't even know. The fact, yeah, the, who, everybody knows who the Jets offensive line coach is. Yeah. That's oh, a problem. The the Niners O line coach, I actually, wait, I know it's Chris Forster. Why do I know who that is? Oh, wasn't he the guy who did Coke with the Dolphins? Yes, that is exactly who it was. That's why oh, I knew wow. that. He's the O line coach at San Francisco. Get oh, that man. man to New York. I mean, I knew the NFL was like, you know, a good old boys club, but I mean, man, if that if you're like, not out forever after that, I mean, I I now I can see why Keith Carter keeps getting jobs. If that doesn't disqualify you from a employment and be like the best possible offensive line coaching job in the league, Glad man, clearly he might be good at his job. Keith so. Carter might be a head coach next year at this rate. Jesus Christ! I mean, Nathaniel Hackett was. So yeah, Nathaniel Hackett was. Urban Meyer was. So <laughs> yes, accurate. <laughs> but, yeah, man. Going on with more coaching stuff because this is this is a little bit of speculation on our part because there hasn't really been any official uh, links to the Jets, but it's one of those where it's very easy to Sherlock Holmes dot connect and see that something might happen here. Now the Jets didn't fire Hackett or Todd Downing, their passing game coordinator, who also sucks and was on those Titans teams that were bad. 
You know the Titans offenses that were so bad they got a really good coach and Mike Vrabel fired. The Jets hired like all those guys. So that's where we're at. And or and they didn't fire quarterback coach Rob Calabrese. So the the offensive structure is still in place. But if you don't think the Jets are above doing like a senior advisor for offense kind of thing and hiring Luke Getze because he was runs Aaron Rodgers, you are out of your mind. So Luke Getze recently, he was the Packers. He was a wide receiver coach actually for Devontae Adams. Then he ends up going to college at Mississippi State. Horrible offense coordinator, 68th in the country in scoring. Then he comes back to the Packers as the quarterback coach for three years with Aaron Rodgers. He gets some league-wide renown because of the MVP numbers that Rodgers put up, again, because he's Aaron Rodgers, not because of Luke Getze's brilliant mind. He then becomes the OC of the Chicago Bears. He's really bad for two years. It looked like a very hackety offense, and I think that's part of why Justin Fields was as limited as he was. I actually like Justin Fields quite a bit. But he gets fired by the Chicago Bears, and now he is in the coaching free agent pool. And I just have this feeling in the back of my skull that I can't get out of my head that Luke Getze is going to be hired by the New York Jets because for no other reason, because it can't be performance reasons, because the Jets didn't hire Hackett for performance reasons, and they didn't hire one hire Luke Getze for performance reasons because they both sucked at their last couple spots. It's because he knows Aaron Rodgers. So you would think that this year, you think if you take anything away from this year, other than get a backup quarterback. You think if they took anything away from this year, it's don't just bring in the Aaron Rodgers sycophants. And not only are they not heeding that, they're doing it as aggressively as ever because there's still like Bakhtiari rumblings. There's like make a big trade for Devontae Adams. There's Luke Getze stuff now. Like when do are we going to realize that just making them the Packers but in New York is not going to work? And it's not even like they're bringing in – I mentioned Adams earlier. They're not bringing in the good parts from those teams. They're bringing in the bad parts that are only available because people didn't want them. I have no strong opinion on Luke Getze coming to the Jets for two reasons. One, I didn't watch enough Bears to say how bad he truly was. Uh, I know Bears fans hate him. I know that Bears fans think that his play calling was awful, but Jets fans said the same thing about Mike LaFleur. Fan base is not always the best indicator of how good an offensive coordinator is, as we've discussed. Uh, he's not good though. He just right. I'm not. I don't. I look. I've watched enough Bears to say that I know their offense isn't good, uh, and it's not just personnel. But I don't know if he's like truly one of the worst play callers. Like people, I said he's awful. I don't know. That's one. The second reason I don't have a large, uh, a significant opinion on this is because it's not going to make the offensive staff worse. It's not going to make it worse. <laughs> I don't know if it'll make it better. It probably can't make it worse, though. It's already awful. You want to just get more bad coaches in here, bring back Dole Loggins? Fine, go for it, dude. I don't care. It's not going to change anything. It really won't because, as we know, Aaron Rodgers is going to be the offensive coach next year. He's the offensive coordinator. He's the QB coach. He's everything. So And he's the GM and he's the <laughs> – You want to bring in Luke Getze because Aaron Rodgers called him a close friend in 2022 and he's he's spoken highly about him as a human being, as a as a father, as a husband. That's not a lie. That's a true quote that's out there that Rodgers has spoken very highly of Luke Getze as a human being. You want to bring him in for that How reason? How can you evaluate him as a father and husband? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he's like watching film. Like I think he's just like he's – Oh he's yeah, yeah. He's, he's mowing the lawn really early, man. That's that's like good. Scouting. Yeah, he's like scouting. He like does chores around the house. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think he's like going an in depth evaluation. I think he's just like I like the guy. He seems cool. Um, so if you want to bring, if that's how you want to hire football coaches, guys who seem cool. Right. Well, 
that's what Rodgers does. Like that's 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 what they've done with Rodgers. Hackett isn't the Jets' offensive coordinator because he's the best offensive coordinator that they could find. I don't care if Hackett's James Dean. He sucks. <laughs> it was James Dean a great guy. It was <laughs> he was a cool guy back it in was, the day. He was, cool. he was very cool. Yeah, that was his thing. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't know, man. I don't know. Uh, I have no issues if they bring in Luke Getze just because I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think it's going to impact anything. Uh, it'll just be memes. Like, it'll impact me because I'll have to see memes on Twitter about Roger bringing in all his buddies. And I'll be like, that's accurate. That's true. He's right. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be like Zach Wilson's rookie year where they're just bringing in like six people to do the job of two people. Yeah. Well, they're just going to bring they'll in badly. Remember when Zach Wilson's rookie year, like five quarterback coaches at one time? Well, the difference here is that those guys were helped were brought in to try and help Zach Wilson. These guys are going to be brought in to just hang out with Aaron Rodgers. Like that's 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 why they're here. That's why Nathaniel Hackett's here. That's why Luke Getzey, if he comes to the Jets, that's why he'll be here. And ultimately, I don't care because I don't think it's going to matter. Like, I really don't. I, signing Al Lazard, signing Randall Cobb, those things can have tangible effects. Hiring Nathaniel Hackett, that has a tangible effect. I don't think hiring Luke Getzey is going to change much about this team. I don't think the offensive staff could be much worse. You know uh, what'll happen though? They're gonna lose like sixteen to ten. They're gonna fire Hackett in like week eight. And Luke guess who's the interim OC? Honestly, sure. Why not? Why not, man? Why not? I have higher standards, Justin. <laughs> I, I, I'm be. I have realistic standards, Mike. They're not bringing in any good offensive staff members. They're not. They're not doing that until this staff's gone. Like they're just not, or until Rogers is gone. If somehow they win with this with Rogers and Rogers retires and his staff stays, then maybe they'd make a change. But they're not. While Rogers is here, while Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Jets, it's going to be Nathaniel Hackett's offense and whatever other schlubs he wants to bring along. That's what it's going to be. I have realistic standards. <laughs> like that, yeah. that would be great if they like if they won the Super Bowl and then immediately fired the coaching staff because they're like, all right, like you were yeah. just here because of Rogers. <laughs> that the, that would be the that would be one of the best moves the Jets have made. In so it would be like so honest. I'd be like, I respect you so much for being like, thank you, Aaron. You got us a Super Bowl. Now you're retiring. Get rid of all his buddies. Like I, I would love that. I think that that would be. I, don't, I honestly don't even think that Jets would get made fun of because one, they just won a Super Bowl. You can't make fun of them. It worked. Uh, and two, would be like, all right, respect, respect them for being honest about their assessment of their coaching staff. So let's look forward as opposed to looking back and getting really mad or looking into the present actually and being upset about Keith Carr. Let's look into the future. We'll get a little ghost of Christmas, past, present, yet to come here. The Christmas Carol thing here, even though it's January tenth. Before we look into the future, I'm going to look into this ad read. Oh, <laughs> are you now? Okay. <laughs> I'm on a mission to get the worst transitions possible. Uh, uh, succeeding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jets fans. DraftKings is offering a fantastic sign-up bonus ahead of this postseason. You can place a $5 first bet on anything to instantly claim $150 in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no-sweat single-game parlay every single day when you opt in. Best part is that you'll receive both rewards even if you lose your first bets. When you join DraftKings, make sure to sign up with our code FSBETS. That's F-S-B-E-T-S. It is on the screen for those watching on YouTube or Twitter, wherever. Uh, using our code FSBETS not only gets you these great bonuses, but it also directly supports our podcast. If you've been considering signing for DraftKings, make sure to use the code FSBETS to maximize your first bets and parlays. This offer is only available to new customers who are 21 and older and physically present in legal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Mike, let's do some report card. Let's do some grades. All right. I want to I want to put on our, our teaching caps and uh, 
I have always said though, if I didn't get into this, I probably would have gone in like education, like an English teacher. So I'm um, getting right. to scratch that itch. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna grade some Jets position groups, coaches, front office, whatever. Uh, let's start, Mike, with the quarterback position because I, I we're gonna just go in order. I think it makes sense to go in order. Right. Uh, this was a bad year for Jets quarterbacks, as oh, we can really? say. <laughs> Just hot take, as we can say about most years. Uh, I think we had high expectations going into the year, hoping that this wouldn't be like an F or a D grade. Uh, but unfortunately, Aaron Rodgers got hurt four games in a season. So we had Aaron Rodgers play, we had Zach Wilson play, we had Tim Boyle, and we finished out the year with Trevor Simeon. We almost had Brett Rippon play. We almost had Brett Rippon. Just throw out all the quarterbacks. Uh, I'll start, and I'll give my grade. Uh, I I was in between two grades here because I want to reserve the F for like the truly the worst of the worst. Um, I mean, how was this not truly the worst of the worst? No, no, let me finish. I want to reserve the F grade for the worst of the worst. So I'm going to give an F F grade to the Jets quarterbacks. I was in between F and D minus. I'm like, can there really be multiple Fs? Because spoiler, I have another F on my report card. Uh, and there are. I just... I don't think you could find a worse quarterback room in the, in the league than what the Jets had this year. And if that's the like, that's how I'm basing this. I'm basing this off of the standard of the NFL. And I think the Jets are the worst quarterback room in the NFL this season. They have the worst quarterback play. It's got to be an F for me. Get the Jets through the ball 601 times this year. And only one of them was Aaron Rodgers. We had to watch 601 pass attempts. 601 pass attempts. Zach Wilson had 400 attempts in 12 games. Or 368 attempts in 12 games. There's, me. Four, there's almost 400 more than I, I, I thought I'd ever see again from Zach Wilson with the Jets. Yeah. So uh, the, Zach Wilson had a QBR of, thir- of 30. Trevor Simeon, 14. Tim Boyle, 11. Cool. So cool, real man. bang up job. This is the total stats for the year for Jets quarterbacks. 59% completion, 3,373 yards, which equates to 5.6 yards per attempt, which is astounding. 11 yeah. touchdowns, 15 interceptions. Beautiful. 11 passing touchdowns. He did. Dak Prescott had 36 this year. Oh and that, like, we, we've seen multiple 40s in the last couple of years. The Jets had 11 for everybody. How? It, forget F. What, is there something below F? This is, like, incomplete. Give me your parents' number. I need to call them and bring them in and talk to you about stuff. That's how bad this is. This yeah. is, like, private meeting with the with the teacher level. This is rock freaking bottom. It says As something. hopeless a situation – as Jets fans, that we're Jets fans. Yep. That's okay. as hopeless a situation as I've ever seen. That's what I was gonna say. I'm like, it says something that we've seen so many horrific quarterback years for the Jets already. I mean, literally last year, 2022 was an awful quarterback year. Zach Wilson was terrible. Uh, and somehow 2023 was worse because we had to watch Tim Boyle play quarterback. That's that was it for me. He's Tim Boyle the worst. He's still the worst quarterback I've ever seen play. Tim Boyle starting multiple games for the Jets this season. That it has to be an F. There's nothing if, if Aaron Rodgers played the rest of the year and was MVP and Tim Boyle still started two games, it's an F. Like we we have to watch Tim Boyle play. Oh, no, no, that's an F. It's an automatic F. Automatic failure. It's like if they plagiarize, it's an automatic F. Doesn't matter if the rest thing the rest is amazing. Automatic F. Tim Boyle makes it an F for me. Uh I now let's go running back, right? Let's start. This is actually very pretty similar to me, what I just said. Because you had Brees Hall. And Brees Hall was incredible. He finished fourth in the NFL in scrimmage yards, Mike. Fourth in the NFL in scrimmage yards. No line, play caller, or quarterback. Nothing. The three guys ahead of him were Christian McCaffrey, CeeDee Lamb, and Tyreek Hill. He would have had 2,000 yards in the Niners easily. Yeah, so much better offense. I mean, even all the guys around him, Puka Nakua, James Cook, Amon Ross St. Brown, like all these guys were in awesome offenses. 
And then you have little Brees Hall there in the 31st ranked offense in the NFL, ranking fourth in scrimmage yards. That's and leading the NFL in catches by a running back, I believe. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. He led him in catches and receiving yards and PFF receiving grade. Best pass catching running back in the NFL. Uh, but on the other hand, you had Dalvin Cook. <laughs> and then you had Izzy Abanacana, who didn't do much. You had Michael Carter, who was awful before he was cut. They had nothing behind Brees Hall. So, so grading this is difficult for me. I gave them a B plus, which I don't know if that's a fair grade or not. I think Brees Hall, you know, alone is like an A or an A plus, but the rest of the room really drags it down that they had nothing behind him. So that's I kind of went with a B plus. I don't know what what do you went? What do you go? Well, with? I'm exactly in line with you with the B plus, uh, only because it would have been like a B or even lower if they kept Dalvin Cook in the same role. At least they realize it's like a little later than it probably should have, but they at least eventually realized kind of what he was and they kind of cut bait with him and took him out of the lineup. I'm like, okay, like if they kept giving Dalvin cook the ball, that changes things. But at least they realized, look, we have two guys on this offense. We got Wilson and hall. That's our only shot. Yeah. Eventually they realized it. So I can't give him anything lower than that. Cause Brees was just so phenomenal. I mean, a band is a rookie. Michael Carter is gone. Whatever. This is mostly a Brees. I'm weighing it heavily because of Brees. I agree. I think with the running back position specifically, you could do that because Brees was the focal point moving forward, at least, at least late in the season after they kind of phased Dalvin Cook out and then got rid of him. Uh, I don't know if you could do the same for wide receiver, though, because the interesting part about that is like, yeah, it's kind of similar to running back where you have one superstar at the position. You have one amazing player, but the rest of the room is just so trash. Like, it's so bad. And it's different with running back where as uh, great as Garrett Wilson was, you still had so many targets for guys who just stunk. So I, I'm in between two grades for the wide receivers. I, I got I to gotta decide here. I went in between a C- minus and a D plus. I think I'm going to say C- minus just because Garrett Wilson brings them up that much. But it's just, dude, Every we went over this before. Every single wide receiver move that the Jets made this offseason was the wrong move. Uh, we're talking Alan Lazard being a healthy scratch twice. Randall Cobb was getting wide receiver two and three snaps. Xavier Gibson, Jason Brownlee, Irv Charles, guys who should not be getting significant playing time right now. Uh, that was the rest of the wide receiver room. And me, and not to mention Michael Harbin, who had like 20 snaps with the team. So I, I think a C minus is just being generous. And it's me really saying how great Garrett Wilson is because he's awesome. Do that. Uh, Jason Brantley had 295 snaps this year and had five catches. It's insane. <laughs> Truly insane. Truly insane. It, uh, uh, Xavier Gibson, by the way, had 473 snaps. Do you know how many catches he had? 21. Exactly 21. Let's freaking – I did not look that up. I was a total guess. Let's go, man. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, I did, I did not look it up. I, I, I have not looked at Xavier Gibson's pro football reference page in a long time. I have not yeah. Alan Lazard had 651 snaps this year. 23 yeah, catches, one touchdown. Yeah. I saw his numbers recently. I was just like 24. Garrett Wilson being as great as he is, like I get that that's – it's really impressive Garrett Wilson is what he is. The, the the fall off between him and his number two guys is shocking. Yep. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I mean, maybe Randy Moss with those Raiders teams. Remember the one year was with the Raiders and they were, like couldn't score any points? Yeah. The 10 six. Maybe that. But again, then Randy Moss like wasn't that like he became good later, but he had like 600 yards that year. So, like, yeah. I mean, you could, people will be like, oh, Tyreek with the, the Chiefs and stuff. Like, those guys were still NFL caliber receivers. Like, yeah. Nobody, there was not a single other wide receiver on the Jets roster who was a top four caliber wide receiver this season. And I, it's I, funny then, too, because 
like earlier, like Lazard was awful, like obviously, but yeah. like earlier in the year, he actually I thought was playing pretty well. He's okay. He like was he was making some like the Kansas City game. He had a couple really nice catches. He was, was blocking well. You're like, all right, he's a he's serviceable for with Zach Wilson and what they're asking him to do. And then starting from I think the Chargers Monday night game, I don't think he had another positive play after that game. I think you're right. It's like he just forgot how to play football. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah. So I have to honestly give it like a C minus. Oh, that's what I gave them. Look at that. Just because Wilson, maybe a C then, because okay, like Wilson was so good. And I don't want to minimize Wilson by like putting him in with the rest of the clown car stuff. And I I kind of waited heavily for Brees earlier, but mm-hmm. I mean, my God. I mean, they need two new receivers minimum at the end of this yeah. year. They need to draft a guy, they need to sign a guy. I just like I'm trying to like I think of it as a, if I'm comparing the wide receiver room to other rooms in the NFL and how many other rooms I would take over the Jets. And I would take a I I know a Garrett Wilson's amazing, but I would take most of the wide receiver rooms over the Jets. Like I I, I still give him a C minus because Garrett Wilson is that good. There's definitely wide receiver rooms that are worse out there because of Garrett Wilson just being Garrett Wilson and other teams. Maybe don't like the have Cardinals. Them. I don't know. Like <laughs> yeah, but the Cardinals are like like. Greg Dortch would low key be like significantly better than any other wide receiver. Every, you could say about everybody. I know, and that's crazy. Jalen Hyatt would be the wide receiver too on the Jets. Yeah, he would be. Yeah, yeah, he I, would be. That's I was in between C minus and D plus. I'll stick with C minus. Just respect, salute to Garrett Wilson, but it's bad. <laughs> uh, tight ends, other than running back, one of the only salvageable position groups on this offense. I went with a B. Uh, I was in between B and B minus. Uh, Tyler Conklin. Very good year. I, I think this was the best year of his career. It should have been even better. Like the numbers don't even look that amazing. It was still good, but the numbers should be better if he had competent quarterback play or a competent offensive line or a competent offensive coaching staff or anything like that. Uh, I think he's a very good tight end. So Tyler Conklin helps it rise. Jeremy Rucker, solid tight end too. I think that's what he was this year. He was a perfectly acceptable tight end too. Uh, didn't have much after that. Uzama, I mean, Uzama as a tight end three is not bad, I guess. Uh, he was getting tight end two snaps earlier in the year, obviously way overpaid, but it's a fine, a good tight end room. There's not a lot of tight end rooms uh, that are like stacked in the NFL. I think the Jets have probably, is it crazy to say that they're in the lower half of the top 10 tight end rooms in the NFL? Maybe you're on yes. like, is that crazy? Yes. Is, it, is it that crazy? There's not like, yeah, yeah. I would need to sit down and do it. I think they're in that like nine to 12 range. Yeah. The only way that you could do that, in my opinion, is arguing that Tyler Conklin's a top 10 tight end, which I don't think he is. I, the tight end position is not good, man. Like it's a, it's a big fall off from those top guys. Like it really, you would have, I, I would have to sit down and do like a power rankings of it, but I don't think like it's outside of the top, like five, six, like he's in that range of like, uh, he's better. I think he's better than Tyler Higby. Like in that range, and Tyler Higby's probably like most people would say like a top fifteen, top twelve tight end. I think he's if you put him, I think he's like Cole Komet. I think he does what Cole Komet can do. He just doesn't. His numbers weren't as good as Cole Komet has been. But well, the other thing too, you got this is another. I feel like we're gonna say this a lot of times where you got one really good player weighed down by a bunch of others. I mean, how many weeks do we come on here and say CJ Uzama is terrible? I don't think Ruckert's that bad though. Ruckert was, Ruckert was good. I just feel like yeah, but I have to I think he's good, but I do have to judge off of what they did production wise, and it just wasn't sure. it just wasn't there for him. Like I think he could be good, like if they put him as with as many snaps as Conklin, but they just aren't, and I can't grade based on hypotheticals. So All this right. is still in the like the C plus range just because I think Conklin was really good, but you know, there really wasn't much of anything. That's oh yeah, and Kenny Yaboa who went after us on Twitter. And then called out his teammate during that. 
That was funny. Yeah, they're down to a B minus for that tweet. That's <laughs> no, he deleted it. They're still to be. He, he deleted it <laughs> after he realized he was actually ripping his teammate. That's when he yeah. did it. Yeah, I maybe I'm just really high on Tyler Conklin. I think that's what it is. I think I I think Tyler Conklin is a I think a really good year. Like I I I think that the box score numbers wouldn't show it, but if you watch his film, I don't think there were ten tight ends better than him in the NFL. I, I really don't. He was making every contested catch. Dude was great. Uh, so I, I think I'm just very high on Tyler Conklin. That's why I give him the B. But I, I can't blame you. The production wasn't there. C plus is is fair enough. The O line, uh, man. Oh dude. boy, the O line. I I'll be completely honest. I didn't give them an F just because they had so many injuries. That's the same. I gave him a D minus. That's exactly what I gave him. <laughs> I gave him a D minus. I, I just with that many injuries, it's hard to give them an F. Like they were, they were just so injury riddled, and they, they you had thirteen different O line combinations in seventeen games. That's ridiculous. But there's a few redeeming qualities here, like Joe Tittman, solid rookie. Literally, Literally that's it. <laughs> Joe Tittman, solid rookie season. You got five games out of Elijah Vera Tucker playing at a pretty high level, and that's, Lincoln Thompson didn't get hurt. And Thompson didn't get hurt. That's about it. There's no, there's really no other positive takeaways at all. Westfeitzer looked like a fine swing guard. <laughs> Like I'm really digging there. I'm really trying. Uh, he also so below a 60 is an F, right? Like on a numerical scale. Right? Yeah, it's every 10. So yeah, it depends. Yeah, I think like a 65. And like a 60.001. Like it's yeah, yeah. that's how thin the line is. I mean, yeah. mostly for Becton is that's what I'm most mad at because so much was expected of him this year, and we were. I know he goes after people a lot. Like, we wanted him to do well. It would have been really awesome if he did well. He just didn't, and it sucked. But we thought he'd be a left tackle, franchise left tackle. By his own admission, I'm a left tackle. Well, I don't know if you're even a starting tackle at this point. I think you're a backup. I'm happy he stayed healthy. That That is – I'm very happy for him. I hope that he he balls out wherever he goes. I don't think it's going to be with the Jets. I will be rooting for him. Uh, but, yeah, man, he, he was not very good this year. Legan Tomlinson was not very good. The six different players they started at right guard were not good. Max Mitchell was bad. Billy Turner was bad. Like, it's just it, – we can go on. Uh, but I don't even want to. So let's talk about the defense because that's a lot more fun. Uh, yes. These grades will be a lot higher. I just lumped all the D-line together, D-ends and D-tackles, and I just gave them an A. Didn't do A-plus because that's reserved for one specific position group that you probably know. But I gave them an A. I, I think this is one of the best defensive lines in the NFL. They have a top three defensive tackle in Quinn and Williams. Uh, they have Jermaine Johnson, Bryce Huff. At least they had him last year. Hopefully they have him in 2024, but I have my reservations. Uh, John Franklin-Meyer is a great player. Quentin Jefferson, they got really good production out of this year. Solomon Thomas, uh, the, the few snaps we saw, Will McDonald, he looked all right. This is one of the deepest and, and most talented position groups in the entire NFL or de- defensive lines in the entire NFL. A was a, That was an easy grade for me. The, yeah, I'd say an A- minus here. I mean, Quentin was great. I know that, like, Everybody was making fun of Quinnen. And like, a, you know, oh, Sauce doesn't get interceptions. It's like, well, Quinnen Williams isn't getting sacks. Well, he was just as dominant. But, yep. well, I want to say just as dominant. I think he was better last year, but he was still like really, really, really good. Yeah. This year, uh, I think the, I would have given him a full A. I feel like their edge is a bunch of like above average guys of pass rushers. They have like, th- that's Robert Salah's thing is he just overwhelms you with depth. Like, they have guys – like, I know Will McDonald didn't play a lot, but if he had a star for a couple games, I would have been fine with that. Like, obviously, he's got Bryce Huff. He's got Jermaine Johnson. He's got even Solomon Thomas had some moments, Quentin Jefferson. Like, it's a good collection of, like, really good dudes who work together. But I'd like to see – that. I think they need one edge that – not even that you have to be, like, you know, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt, 
Micah Parsons kind of guy, but maybe I don't know, like a Daniil Hunter kind of thing where you get that one guy who year I know Huff got 10 sacks, but I'll be like, say, man, I think right, like three of them were at the end and Bailey Zappi and nobody wanted to even play that game. Like I, I feel like they need that one sort of like, like difference maker. I think, I think Huff could be that in like a year or two, but I just feel like that's where they're only a little bit lacking on the edge. I think Huff is that now. I, I am. I think Bryce Huff, when he gets paid this offseason and likely gets a full-time starting role with another team, we're going to see a Shaq Barrett type jump for him. I know he already had 10 and a half sacks this year, but I think we're going to see like 15 plus next year. I, I, he's only not in that star tier, like that like household name tier because he's not playing enough. That's that's why. Like even when the Jets started using him as like their starting base D end later in the year, they still rotate a ton. So I'm not sure in this system you can ever really have like, uh, I mean, because even when when Salah had Nick Bosa in San Francisco, yeah, like he, he changed it there. He used him a lot more. But I don't think the one the system he runs with the Jets, they want a defensive end playing 80% of snaps, 90% of snaps. I don't think that they want that. Um, I think part of it, too, is I think Bosa was that good. Where, I mean, like, Salah, yeah. like he, he rotates Quinnen a lot, but like he rotates him less than – he does, but the other guys. Quinnen still plays a lot less than the other star D tackles in the league. Like he only right, plays- but he plays more than a lot of the other guys on the Jets. And I feel like he kind of realized Bosa's in that tier where he's like, okay, I yeah. gotta get, I can't take take this guy off and put a fifth round backup in. Like that. Quinnen Williams has never played seventy percent of snaps in a season in his career. Really? Never. He played sixty nine percent this year. Well, yeah, all right, that's one percent off, but still, still I mean, that's that. Yeah. The majority, like if you look at like Dexter Lawrence, he plays like 90% of snaps. What did what did Dexter Lawrence play this year? Like I, I want to see how many snaps he played, or like Aaron Donald or like Chris Jones, because those are the guys who I'd say Quinn and Williams is in their tier. Dexter Lawrence, he only played 67% of snaps. So he's a no, that's weird. He played 82% last year. I don't know what happened there. He played 82% out of blowouts, maybe. Maybe, yeah, but he played 82%. I mean, Aaron Donald, I won't even pull him up because he's he doesn't count. Uh Chris yeah, Aaron Donald's not like a human being. He's like Chris a, Jones, 80 and 73% the last two years. So Quinnen is playing less than these guys. 73% is not a significant gap, but he, he Quinnen is never going to touch 80% of the Jets. He's he's never touching 80%. Uh and I think we're gonna see what right with Bryce Huff. Bryce Huff's gonna go to a team that thinks, oh, you know what? He's not a bad run defender because he's not. The Jets are the only ones spreading that narrative. He's not like a great run defender, but he's not a total liability. Especially Gets in the way. I mean, he's yeah. average. He's when okay. He, he tries yeah. hard. He's average to below average. But guess what? When you are a top 10 pass rusher in the NFL, because that's what he is in my mind, he is a top 10 true pass rusher in the NFL. It doesn't matter to me. So I think Bryce, I think they already have that guy in Bryce up. I think they already have that star edge rusher. Unfortunately, I don't think they think they'd have that player. I don't think they know. He reminds me of like play style wise, a little bit of a throwback name. Reminds me of like Elvis Doomerville. If you remember him with the Broncos. Yeah, 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 of course. That that's what I keep thinking of because Elvis Doomer, I mean, he was a shorter guy too. He's like Bryce up's a little taller than him. Elvis Doomerville is five eleven, but the really fast. Like that's just my kind of guy. I, I said it, you know, I think I wrote an article about it in October. Bryce Huff's going to be the next Shaquille Barrett. He's going to be. He's going to get undervalued by his current team. He's Shaq Barrett was an ultra-efficient, ultra-productive edge rusher for Denver. Got undervalued, partially because they had guys like Von Miller and Bradley Chubb there, which, you know, the Jets will be like, we have Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald. I don't know. Uh, but he got undervalued, ends up getting paid big money by the Bucks, who were like, all right, we see his efficiency. We're going to give him a full-time role, and we're going to see what he could do. He had 19 and a half sacks his first year at Tampa and was immediately a household name. That's going to be the case with Bryce Huff. I would be very surprised if that didn't happen at this point. Uh, I hope the Jets re-sign him. I really hope they do. I just don't think they value him as much as they should. But that's another conversation. They better be real sure Will McDonald's going to be good. 
here's the thing we're because we we're talking about this earlier with robert sala like i have a lot of faith in robert sala's ability to develop defensive talent so i i still you develop price huff so <laughs> so i still think will mcdonald can be good and there's a scenario out there and i don't jets fans might want to i don't want to hear this there's a scenario where letting bryce huff walk is the right decision it's just a huge risk like it is a massive risk because if will mcdonald and and basically if jermaine johnson becomes the pass rusher to Bryce Huff, or even close to the pass rusher to Bryce Huff was this year, which I think he's pretty close already. He was a great player this year. Uh, if he can take that next step and become like a true Pro Bowl caliber player, like all-star player, and then Will McDonald becomes maybe what Jermaine Johnson was this year or close to that, then you could argue that letting Bryce Huff walk was the right decision. You just got to really have faith in your young guys. Like that's that's what it comes down to. Um Bang, we're getting a little sidetracked there. Uh, I think A A minus is fair. Maybe I agree with you A minus because – I think they still are lacking in run defense a little bit outside of Quinnen. And I guess Jermaine Johnson, I think, is a good run defender too. Al Woods killed him this year. Moving Al Woods definitely hurt. Uh, so maybe maybe bump him down to A minus for that. But that's fair. All right. Next position group. I also think that's one, this one's fairly straightforward. Linebacker. I gave him another A. I didn't give A plus, but I gave him an A. I think CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams were a top three linebacker duo in the NFL this year. It was them, San Francisco, and Baltimore. I don't think there's a debate there. This was Mosley's best season with the Jets, his best season since he made five consecutive Pro Bowls with the Ravens. Uh, and obviously, Quincy Williams became one of the best linebackers in football. They both have all pro candidates, or they both can make a case to be all pros this year. And I think one of them ultimately gets it. Uh, so I easy A for me. I'm going to say A minus again, too. And maybe I'm thinking I'm higher on Quincy, if that is possible, than some, maybe even you, and maybe a little lower on Mosley. All right. Uh, Mosley was still really good. And I, if they went into the next year with Williams and Mosley as the starting linebackers, I don't think they have a thing to worry about if they're healthy because I think they're both really good. And I think Mosley just in the locker room, just having him around. Yeah. is just so important for this defense. But, you know, they weren't, we, they weren't moving the ball against the cornerbacks often, so who were they moving it against? It was so, And Quincy's a great cover linebacker. CJ's like, okay, but I think it's the Browns, I think, showed in particular. Like, there are matchups you can exploit with him. Quincy's a little tougher, but – so because of that, I'm going to have to put him in an A-, minus, especially because with Mosley getting so old. Like, sometimes with defensive players too, it just kind of goes – and I feel like I'm just always afraid that like this is going to be the year that it that it finally goes with him. So, but I, I have no problems with Quincy. Then he's good enough where you can't rank your linebackers too low because of him. My counter argument, and I don't want to just tout PFF grades here, right? Because PFF grades take them with a grain of salt. I agree with you. Yeah, they weren't moving on the corners. They had to be moving on somebody. I guess my counter argument would be they're moving it on the safeties and Brandon Eccles when he was in the game. Uh, CJ Mosley and Quincy Williams ranked as the number one and number two coverage linebackers by PFF this year. Mosley was one. Quincy was two. Mosley was one. Quincy or CJ Mosley at the number one was the number one highest graded PFF coverage grade amongst all linebackers. Okay. Maybe let's like let's check the formula there. I don't know if that I don't know. I'll buy like number eleven. I won't buy number one. I, I think they're both great this year. Uh, I think the only linebacker duos you could argue were better uh, are Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw and Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen. I, I, those are the only two linebacker duos you could argue are better. 
I think they're better than the Baltimore duo. I think Warner and Greenlaw are the only one that was better. I think just they're both better than Queen is my argument for that. Roquan is probably the second best linebacker in football, but I, they're both better than Queen, even though he's taken some strides and, and become a very good linebacker. Oh, um, and how did how did Fred Warner develop? Oh, yeah, Robert Sala. But I've been, I've been told this guy's a doofus who doesn't know anything about football. So I'm pretty know. sure he helped develop Greenlaw, too, while he was there. Like, Greenlaw was was also drafted by Sala. So he, he saw so Greenlaw, I believe, another former college safety who turned linebacker. There you go. Sala actually told a good story about how um, he wanted to take Quincy Williams really bad. He said the two linebackers I wanted were Quincy Williams and Greenlaw, and he wanted to take Quincy early on. And they said, we already got you a defensive player in Nick Bosa early on. We got to find you a linebacker later. So Quincy was gone, so he took Greenlaw. But yep. what do you know? His two guys he pounded the table for at linebacker are both pro bowlers. But apparently this guy's stupid. So Sala is I, – I, look, again, we're not going to – we're not trying to like – give Sal all his flowers here and then ignore all his mistakes. But, but like the way he's but, discussed is just kind of yeah, weird. There are you. I don't know if you could find more three coaches in the NFL who are better defensive talent evaluators and defensive defensive talent developers. He evaluates talent. He, he, he can, he sees guys who are great fits for his system and molds them into star players. Like he does. Probably Belichick, maybe Jim Schwartz. Yeah. Dan Quinn, I think has done Dan a good Quinn, job. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, Sal has got to be right up there with those guys. So you could have your gripes about him as a head coach, but this man is going to have a job in the NFL for a long time. Cause he is an amazing, amazing defensive mind. Uh, anyway, we'll move on to the cornerbacks, uh, cornerbacks. And this was, this was the easiest one for me. I gave an A to D line and linebackers specifically because I reserved an A plus for this position. It's the best cornerback group in the NFL. It's the best cornerback group maybe I've seen in my lifetime, one to three. Uh, and even Eccles and Bryce Hall are, are very, very solid, competent backups. Easy A-plus. Sauce Gardner, uh, I put out a thread on Twitter recently about how I don't think you could find, at least in the modern era since these numbers have been tracked, a cornerback who has had a better two-year start to their NFL career than Sauce Gardner. I'm not being hyperbolic when I say he is on legitimate GOAT trajectory. I don't know if he'll keep this up. The cornerback position is very volatile. It's very rare to see a player play at this level for multiple years in a row, let alone like, you know, four or five, six, seven years, whatever it would take for him to reach that point where we're like, all right, having GOAT discussions. Uh, but through two years, he's the best cornerback in the NFL. He, he is. I mean, Jalen Johnson, honestly, you could argue might have been better this year because he was just historically amazing too. But what Sauce has done over the first two years, years of his career literally puts him on GOAT trajectory. Uh, DJ Reed is a cornerback one is, is a number one cornerback on a lot of teams. Michael Carter is one of the best slot corners in the league. Top three, I think in that regard, it's an A plus. I don't think you can even debate that in my opinion. And the funny part, like I, I don't, I could give you chapter and verse about how great sauce Gardner is because he's the best in at his position. In the league. I know he's not the interceptions. Well, cause nobody throws at him. That's why he doesn't have interceptions. Asante Samuel. Uh, <laughs> so DJ Reed, obviously, there were some times this year where he, like, I remember Jalen Waddle got beat him a couple times. Like, yeah. but see, it happens. And Jalen Waddle's really good and really fast, but yeah. hard to be too displeased with how he played. Michael Carter, perennially underrated, and he's going to be perennially underrated for his whole career. The funny part, though, was the Eagles game when all those guys, except for Carter, were hurt and they were playing with guys off the street and they were still that good. Yeah. I mean, that Craig speaks James. to Craig James, Tay Hayes. You want to talk about depth? That's yeah. depth. They legitimately played really I, – I don't think they should have done Tay Hayes and man coverage on A.J. Brown early in the game like they did, but right. I do think for what they were asked to do, that was one of the most impressive performances I think I've seen in a regular season game in quite some time. And like Playing those two receivers, Brown and Devontae Smith, with a bunch of practice squad guys and then just two regular backups, that shows me that 
yeah, Sauce and Reed are as good of a one-two as you can hope for, and Sauce is as good of a one as you can hope for, but this team just has guys all over cornerback, man. And, and people want to get on, like, there could be people who are like, oh, DJ Reed's overrated. Just because, like, like I think they're they're underestimating how difficult it is to play corner. Even the best corners in the league. Especially nowadays, you can't touch anything. The two cornerbacks, by the way, if you saw the the NFLPA release their all-pro team, which, by the way, never let the players cook again. It's just so – it's bad. It's, it's really bad. The top 100 – wasn't Mac Jones like a top 80 player? Yeah. Mac Jones was like 80-something. Uh, wasn't Bortles like 57 or something? Probably. Uh, yeah. It's just a, a, like best indicator, a best indicator of, of like how bad this list is. Uh, there are six players on the entire list on that all-pro team who did not make the playoffs this year. Zero on offense, three on defense, three on special teams, or four on special teams. I think it's seven. Four on special teams. So in terms of the offensive and defensive players, three of them are on bad teams. That's like that's that's how they're judging this stuff. It's not. And one of the ones who beat out Sauce is on one of the bad teams, Pat Sertan. Yes, and here here's the 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 example I was going to give is that the two cornerbacks on that All Pro team that were like the first all first team All Pro, Deron Bland and and, and Pat Sertan. DJ Reed allowed fewer catches and yards than both of those players. And that's DJ Reed. Look, oh, Sauce. So they weren't even in the same tier as Sauce Gardner. Pat Sertan. Look, Pat Sertan's still one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. If he gets all pro this year, it is a strictly on name value because he was not in the same. Which is weird because you'd think Sauce would have that name. Sauce was like eighth in defensive player of the year voting as a rookie. You would think he would have name value too. I genuinely think sometimes the memes get the people. And the, the memes of like sauce being overrated, people are like, oh, he actually must be, but he's literally not. Like he's he's actually just not. Like or, or just interceptions. Or I said they, they, just interceptions. I think there is a very obvious like any for any all pro ballot that does not have Jalen Johnson and Sauce Gardner as your top two cornerbacks this year is invalid in my mind. And then anyone that doesn't have Deron Bland as second team all pro, that's also probably invalid because he. I don't think he had a, a, a Trayvon Diggs like season where he had a bunch of interceptions and, and the coverage stats weren't there. The coverage numbers are there for him. Like he wasn't as shut down as Sauce Gardner and Jalen Johnson, but that's where the interceptions and stuff just play. I'm not even going to kick up a fuss if you put Bland over them because of the interceptions and the picks because they were important and the Cowboys are good. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, you, you can't not you can't knock both of them out. One of Johnson or Sauce, preferably Sauce. Yep. has to be in there. I, I think if we're going to do that, I, genuinely, and I'll be this as a complete unbiased Jets fan, Jalen Johnson needs to be first team all pro. He was better than Sauce Gardner this year. And that is me who just had a thread about on Twitter about how Sauce Gardner was on GOAT trajectory. Jalen Johnson, one of the best seasons of any cornerback ever, like that we've, since we've had tracking data for it this year. Sauce Gardner also did, which is, that's what's funny about it. We had two of the best seasons ever this year. Uh, so if you, if you have to kick one of them out, Honestly, it probably should be sauce. He should be second team all pro. But I don't think either should be kicked out. I think they're both more valuable than Deron Bland. Uh, and then maybe like Charverius Ward is also there. Legereus Need also had a very good season. Uh, Pat Sertan is not, it should not be all pro this year. But either way, Jets cornerbacks, best in the NFL. Maybe Michael Carter gets an all pro nod. Hopefully, maybe like second team or something there, a nickel corner because they they added that as position. Uh, quickly, let's go through the rest of the positions. Safety. This is definitely one of the the position groups on defense that uh, they will not be in the A's, at least for me. Uh, what did I give them? I gave them a I gave them a C. I think a C is fair. Uh, I think that they were over. Like I think their numbers are better than a C. Like they, how they actually performed is better than a C. But their issues were masked. Their deficiencies were masked by an amazing cornerback group. I think Jordan Whitehead is a below average starting safety. I think Tony Adams got better throughout the year, and I'm encouraged by that. And he did come up with a few big turnovers. Uh, but I think overall was below average to average. 
I guess C, C plus is fair for, for safeties. I'm kind of right there. Maybe I go with a C plus. Uh, Cause again, I'm, I'm with you on Whitehead and uh, Whitehead and, and Adams, but yeah. legitimately, I know he's kind of like a meme, but like Ashton Davis, you're right. We have the shot. Improvement he made from when Adam Gase picked him to now is, is phenomenal. Like those first two years, he didn't, he did not look like an NFL player. He just no. didn't. He looked like a guy who should be running the hundred meters, which is what he was in college too. Like, and he's like, I know he that he only doesn't play a ton of snaps, and there was the meme, oh, whenever he gets in, it's a turnover. But, like, there's a reason that whenever he gets in, it's a turnover because he makes plays. He's yep. always been a good athlete. Now I think he finally is just – like, I legitimately, I would be more happy if the Jets went into 2024 with Ashton Davis as a starting safety than either Jordan Whitehead or Tony Adams. Mm. I'm, I think Tony Adams is – I mean, I would prefer – hopefully they would, I think they would get somebody else, but I just am really encouraged by what I saw with Davis, like genuinely. Yeah. Whitehead and Adams are they're whatever they're fine, but like that improvement actually impressed me. Ashton Davis in Week 18, which was the most he had played by far this season because Jordan Whitehead got hurt. He played like 49 snaps. Was the only safety in the NFL to have a PFF coverage, tackle, and run defense grade higher than 75. So clearly he finished strong. Uh, I would prefer, I think, bring back Chuck Clark going next year. Chuck Clark, uh, Ashton Davis, re-sign him, and and then Tony Adams let Jordan Whitehead walk. Maybe you make another move, or maybe you just kind of hope someone like Jark Bernard Converse can take a leap. Uh, I don't think they're going to invest heavily into the safety position, but absolutely, I would love to bring back Ashton Davis. I think maybe Davis. I look for another veteran, like a Whitehead-y kind of deal. Sure, Darnell Savage. I'm gonna keep throwing it out there. I think that's a that's like right in that tier for me uh, of of safety, like average to below average. He's got that Wisconsin smell on him, though. I don't know. I mean that would that's why Seems like I'm, another operative sent by the the cult fan base. That's, why I'm, that's why I'm throwing him out there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, moving on to special teams as a whole. So this is kicker, punter, long snapper, return, all that stuff. Kick coverage. Uh, I gave it another A. I, I think Thomas Morrison and Greg Zerline are are one of the best, if not probably like I'd say top three kicker punter duos in the NFL. Thomas Tennessee zero issues with the long snapper. I think he's he's pretty solid. Uh, and Justin Hardy is remains one of the best special teamers in the NFL. Not to mention, Irv Charles made some pretty pretty good impressions. Uh, he made a good, pretty good first impression this year as, as a gunner. Uh, I think Eccles had a kind of up and down year there. But as a whole, I think the Jets still have one of the best special teams groups in the league. Xavier Gibson obviously had the big punt return in week one that won them the game. He had his ups and downs, I think, with ball security. But He's not a bad returner, obviously. So overall, I gave him an A, mostly on the back of Morstead and Zerline. It's funny how, like, outside of maybe when they had, like, Sam Ficken, and uh, what, was it, what was the guy who, like, he only played one game and they lost by one? Kari, he Kari Vedvik. Kari, Kari Vedvik. Oh, man, that was bad. Kari outside of, And, like, Braden Mann, which is funny, too, because Braden Mann was, like, 50 yards a punt, the best punting prospect ever, and then he – He's low-key been all right with the Eagles, too, which kind of pisses me off. But anyway, we yeah, got but, but it's Jets to another team. That always happens. But sure, we uh, we're fine. It's funny, like, outside of that, even at the worst of the Jets, the last – those last, you know, how long the drought's gone, they've always had pretty okay special teams. Mm. Like, you know, Nick Folk was damn near a, as reliable a kicker as you could hope for for however long – most punted okay. Even going back to like Steve Weatherford, who's like, have you seen him by the way? Steve he's Weatherford? Jacked. He's jacked, right? Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. On that, it was like, this is silly though. Like, we're, we're like, <laughs> his, his calves are thicker than like my waist. I'm like, okay, that's ridiculous. But <laughs> he's it's weird that you're comparing that. But yeah. <laughs> but it, it was just shocking just because I, mean, I know so, I've met a couple people. I knew a couple like 
just personally wise that have been done like bodybuilding things. And even then, like we'd be at a restaurant and they're just like eating a tub full of potatoes and rice. I'm like, this is just, why are you doing this? Is that good? They're like, no, I hate it, but I have to do it to keep the, <laughs> I have to do it to keep yeah, the whatever, whatever makes them happy. What I guess, but getting back onto special teams too, like I, I'm surprised Zerline didn't get more like pro bowl, all pro. Cause I, I know he missed some he's on a bad team because he's on a bad team. How many God? How many points? How many games did Greg Zerline score more points than the rest of the Jets? A lot, a lot. Like of I, games. And there were game. Remember, there was that stretch. They had like forty drivers out of touchdown. Greg Zerline was the offense. You want to talk about talk about a guy who got in on name value? Justin Tucker, Loki. I mean, still the best kicker of all time. He got into the Pro Bowl on name value for sure. Greg Zerline yeah. was better than Justin Tucker this year. I feel like it was Vinatieri near the end where he was like sixty four years old and he was still like getting into the Pro Bowl and stuff. Yeah. Feels like that kind of. Yep. But yeah, hard to really say anything bad about the special teams in a year where there's a lot of bad things to say about the Jets. Well, are you are you giving an A as well? I'm going to say an A or an A minus. I mean, yeah. I, I never had any issue with Greg Zerline. I never thought like, oh, this is a bad kick. I think one of he had like what two misses all year, or three. I think he ended up with three because the last game he missed one, but and yeah. one got blocked. I think so. The last game, which like it was like a 49, 50 yarder in. Poor, like snow and wind. And that one was like, you can't even blame the guy. Like, one extra point, and which I think got blocked. And he was 35 of 38, including, uh, well, here's a great stat from 40 yards and beyond, he was 18 of 20, which that is awesome. Can't ask for much more than that. Pretty sure Justin Tucker missed like five field goals here this year, right? Am I making that up? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, he, he missed five field goals and an extra point, bro. This was a very this was a down year for Justin. Zerline's only made one Pro Bowl in his career. Huh. Seems like for the guy with they called Legatron, who's been in the league forever, you'd think he'd have more. Morstead only made one, one Pro Bowl as well, and as Morstead made clear when I talked to him before, he's like, "I've been first alternate." He told me this back a few months ago. He's like, "I've been first alternate like five times." Guess and the players he never turned down the trip, so he never goes. Guess what he is again this year? He's a first alternate. <laughs> it's the story of Thomas Morstead's career. Uh, yeah, shout out special teams; they're great. Coaching was one of the most difficult ones for me because, like, I have like two very distinct like it's like defense and offense. Offensive coaching would be an F. Defensive coaching, it's like an A. Like it's it's it was great. So I balanced it out as a C minus. I think that the the offensive coaching weighs it down so freaking much that it has to be. It's like it's almost like wide receiver where it's like you got you get this is great, but everything else is so bad that I I have to give it a C minus. I think the team as a whole was affected so much more by their offensive staff being awful that I had to give them a C minus. See, I'm gonna actually give them a B minus, and I'm just weighing Ooh. the I'm weighing the defensive staff more just because. If that de- we're both giving the defensive staff either an A or an A plus, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Imagine if they were a B plus unit this year. Do the Jets win three games? They don't win seven. I'll tell you that. They don't win seven. I don't think they win three or two. I mean, the fact they won seven games with that abomination of a quarterback room—it's a minor miracle. People yeah. can rip Sal all they want. They- look at the quarterbacks he's had: Zach Wilson, Trevor Simeon. Uh, uh, Joe Flacco before he had this Lynn Sanity run. Strebler, Tim Boyle. Chris Tre- Mike White was like the best, yep. like in terms of being a quarterback. How many co- 18 wins in three years is not like. And look at the teams he beat to get some of those wins. Josh Allen, because of the defense. Patrick Mahomes, almost because of the defense. J- Jalen Hurts, defense. Yep. They weren't beating a bunch of little sisters of the poor. They were beating real teams. Could be, uh, solely because of that. 
Yeah. Like I, that's why that's why a lot of the solid scores drove me crazy because this team would have been in the gutter without that defense. So that's why I can't give him too low a grade. Everybody knows Hackett sucks. I mean, I don't even want to. I always feel bad for the guy because, like, he knows he sucks. Everybody knows he sucks, but he can't leave because Aaron Rodgers is there. It's like you're you're stuck here forever with me, Hackett. Hackett I didn't think, know Brees Hall was a good receiver. Like, how, how do you not know your team like that? Crazy. I think. Like, why would you say that as a coach? I think that's why. Like, why I balance it out to a C minus, maybe like a C. I just think. The offensive staff was historically bad, like one of the worst offensive staffs I've seen at the NFL level. The defensive staff, while great, I don't think it's one of the best defensive staffs we've ever seen. I think it's a really good staff. I think it's a, it's a great staff, uh, as we've explained many times on this show today and in the past. I just think the offensive staff was just much worse at their job than the defensive job than the defense staff was good at their job, if that makes sense, which is more common about the offensive staff than the defensive staff because, my God, man. As Brian and Chat saying, we should have done more chat today. But as Brian and Chat said, uh, Hackett's the type of guy who'd go to the beach and be surprised how much sand there is. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. He'd be like, "Wow, I just didn't expect this. Like I expected some sand, but you know, but this level of production from the sand, this is crazy, man." He shows up with like a parka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, "What's going he's on?" Like, Wait here? a minute. I thought I was hiking K two right now. <laughs> yeah, so I, that's why I leveled out to C minus. But I, we both have the same thinking. It's just our rationale with the grade is different. Lastly, and this I believe will be our longest stream that we've ever done. So shout out to anyone still sticking around and watching. Uh, I just grouped the front office as one thing. So not like Joe Douglas, just the front office, all the moves they made this year. And if you remember what I said when we were talking about the quarterbacks, I said I had another F on this list. And it's the front office. They get a battle F because, my God, I think every move – like this was the worst offseason that Joe Douglas has had with the Jets. And virtually every move that they made, was the wrong decision in almost everything. When it comes to midseason trade, midseason acquisitions, meaning none unless you count Roger Saffold, the offseason, they trade the, the big move they made was they traded for Aaron Rodgers. That's a did not finish. We have an incomplete grade on that because we have no idea he got hurt at the four plays. And as a result, they didn't make a, a move for get a backup quarterback. That killed them. Their offensive line plan that they had going into the season was a bad plan that backfired and then they obviously had injuries there. Everything with the wide receiver position was an absolute disaster. Very few moves. The draft, you got very little production out of your draft picks in year one. Obviously, we're not grading how they're going to be in the future, but just based on right now, you got nothing out of your first round pick. Second round pick, cool. You got a, a starting offensive lineman. That was good. After that, what? Like, not much. You got nothing out of your draft picks. You got virtually nothing out of your free agent moves, and you did nothing midseason. So what am I supposed to give this team other than an F for their front office this this, this season? It's one thing to make mistakes. It's another thing to not realize you made mistakes and double down on your mistakes. It is yet another thing to make mistakes and then after you are proven wrong, go, well, actually, I didn't think I made a mistake, but hindsight's twenty twenty. And that's the thing. Like, there's, you're also making mistakes that were obviously mistakes at the, the time. The, to the tone of this team – and again, like we've said this before, you know, who could win with these quarterbacks? Like, I get that, but the tone of this front office specifically was so defeated where it's like, well, what can you do? Yeah. Well, there is stuff you could have done. You could have invested in the offensive line better. You could have got a real backup quarterback, and you didn't do that. This was not. This was incredibly difficult to win this year. It was not impossible, and they made it impossible for no reason. They made they put ankle weights on themselves and then complained that they drowned. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. 
genuine question. What's the best move the Jets made this offseason? If we're not counting Rodgers, we have no idea how that's going to work out. What is the best move the Jets made this offseason? Is it like is it like signing Quentin Jefferson? Is that what it is? Right. Well, probably drafting Tipman. Maybe. I guess that's like, probably the best thing they did. Yeah. Drafting Tipman, signing. Uh, honestly, I know we didn't get to see it work out. Trading for Chuck Clark, I thought that was a great move. We obviously, unfortunately, got hurt, but I think I thought trading for Aaron Rodgers was a great move. Yeah, I know. I guess that's in the same vein, but like re signing Thomas Morstead, <laughs> that is really unfortunate. The two guys who had not been hurt literally in like seven years, I know both got hurt immediately. That's the Jets, like, man. That's how it goes. But like, uh, there were was there even like one of those like oh, waiver claims that we could point to this year? I don't think so. Am I forgetting one that was like Thomas a good Morstead. Thomas Morstead was the guy. Yeah, re-signing Thomas Morstead. Like, oh, like signing Xavier Newman off the waiver or off the Titans practice squad, or I think he was actually released from the Titans before that. Like, I would, I don't know, man. There was there was nothing. And if you can't, if you're if we're struggling this hard to find like one good move, how else do you give it an F as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it has to be a plus. What do you want me to say? It absolutely has to be an F. So it's. F for the quarterbacks, F for the front office. What a shock that the Jets were bad this year. With those D minus for the line. <laughs> yeah, D minus for the line. Like, what a shock that the Jets were bad this year. So those and are the, all the, the other positions would have been F if not for two guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wide receiver would be a, a like an F minus. It'd be, it'd be a Z if it wasn't Pierre Wilson. <laughs> Being incomplete, they just draw like a frowny face. I, you could have added Sharon Peak to that wide receiver room, and I'd be like, maybe it's a little better now. Like, I, like where's it. Lawrence Cager at? What's he doing? He's a tight end for the Giants. Where's, honestly, De- where's Deontay Burnett at? Deontay Burnett. Deontay Burnett would unironically be wide receiver three for the 2023 Jets. <laughs> like, not even <laughs> arguable. Not even <laughs> arguable. So yeah, I those are our, our, our report card grades. Hopefully next year at this time, well, hopefully next year at this exact time, we're not doing grades because the Jets are in the playoffs. If we're doing grades, then I have a feeling there's gonna be a lot more negative grades again. Uh, but thank you all for well, at least everybody will be fired then. So it's true. Well, we we've been live for over an hour and twenty minutes. This is crazy. This is definitely definitely a longest stream. Uh, I had fun doing the grades, so that was great. Uh, we have more Jets content coming in the very, very near future. We'll be pumping out some shorts. Uh, I would definitely got some guests to Jets. Might do some, like, blind rankings and stuff like that. Could be fun. Uh, also, maybe some, like, all-time drafts. They might be, like, regular videos and not shorts. We have some plans for the offseason. It's going to be fun. Uh, can't wait to to bring more of that stuff to you guys and maybe some more interviews. So, yeah, thank you all for sticking with us. Mike, you want to you wanna say anything before I sign us off? We're in hell. No, man. We're in the offseason. This is our time. This is when we have optimism and false hope. Have you yeah, had that go last year? It, go, it goes that way every year, Mike. But this this, this is the cycle. That's what we have to do. We have to have false hope. Because it's Who the says we have to? <laughs> why can't we have why can't we be pessimistic? <laughs> I'm gonna choose to be to have false hope. I'm gonna choose to oh true. Brian and Chad, that's a great point, actually. We uh, Jets extended Quinnen and Quincy Williams offseason. That the Quincy Williams extension, that's the best move the Jets made this offseason. That like fourth. I could have done that. No, for the value, dude. Like that was not a that was not a a, a, a oh, Quinn in. Yeah, Quinn, Quinn in, I could have done that. Yeah. Yeah, Quinn Quincy, in, you know, yeah, all right. Yeah, Quinn in was just like a no-brainer. You gotta do this. Quincy, yeah. absolutely great decision here. That's the best move the Jets made. But anyway, yeah, man, you gotta have that false hope. You gotta have that optimism because that's what it's like being a Jets fan. That's the cycle of being a Jets fan. You have optimism every offseason. You get excited for free agency in the draft. You get excited in August, and then it all goes to shit once the season starts. That's how it goes, man. But you got to have that optimism. 
Anyway, until uh, next Wednesday when we're back, because no more no more games that we're going to be doing streams. But you'll have plenty of Jets content, I'm sure, coming up before our next stream next Wednesday. Uh, let me uh, let me sign us off. Let me get to as a like I, I, I mixed there it is. Anyway, uh, let's sign us off. Thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Free. Follow the Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download the Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on YouTube and TikTok. Subscribe, like. Hit that notification bell. As always, you guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press Podcast. I have been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We will see you guys next time. See you folks next Wednesday. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.